Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to the Kaching with Jane King podcast, a podcast from parents to parents to help us teach the next generation about money. And today's podcast is brought to you by Wasabi Rabbit. Wasabi Rabbit is a veteran-owned digital marketing agency. It provides brand, campaign, and user experience transformations that accelerate business growth. And with me is always Kim Mustin, friend, mom, and Wall Street executive. So welcome, Kim. Oh, thank you. As you know, I just finished a very painful renovation project. So um, I'm not so in love with it that I might not want to sell it by the end of this call. So <laughs> this goes well. You could have a new customer here. <laughs> and today our guest is Dana Bull. She's a realtor and real estate investor who specializes in millennial and first-time buyers. Welcome, Dana. Thanks, Jane. It's great to be here. So what are you seeing, Dana, right now with millennials? And I mean, we hear all these stories about there's so much student debt, they can't buy homes. And what are you seeing on the ground? So I'm, I'm out in the Boston area, so I work in one of the most competitive real estate markets in the country, and there's a lot of excitement, um, but also coupled with my buyers tend to be a little bit overwhelmed when they kind of start with the process, but overall, just good energy, good vibes with the real estate market right now. So in terms of the debt, though, that, that you're right, that is a, a big obstacle. It's, it's not impossible. It's a workable situation, so... So I, I want everybody to know that. Um, the advice that I always give to first-time buyers is to talk to a lender as soon as possible. Don't wait. Uh, because you're at the starting line and you have an end goal of maybe you want to buy in a year, maybe you're two years out. And a lender is going to help you put together that strategy and figure out what you need to do, what you need to pay off and in what order, how to get your debt-to-income ratio down, um, how to get your credit scores up because they're looking at a lot of different factors. It's not just the debt. So I, I would definitely advise people to get a good lender on, on their side of the court as soon as possible. And how do you advise millennial invest? Like how, how would they even go about figuring that out? Like, I don't know if the average millennial that I know would really even, I mean, they're super smart in a lot of different areas, but because they haven't had a lot of, um, experience with creditors and the like, is that something that they typically, how do you find that they best can find a good lender, particularly for first-time buyers? Maybe you don't know which bank to call or, or which lenders are, you know, have a good track record. But if you first start with finding a real estate agent, they know, they have connections, they have contacts. 
So, like, for instance, I have maybe 10 different lenders on my pick list that I have a proven track record of working with that I've personally vetted. And so I'll say, hey, you know, talk to this guy, talk to this woman, and um, hear what they have to say. And, and they all have different sorts of programs. And find one that's going to be the best fit for your situation. So I think um, definitely placing a lot of value on, on surrounding yourself with various experts in their field that are kind of rallying around you and helping to give you guidance is, is really key. I think you're probably making a lot of millennials feel better um, by what you're saying. Uh, just talking about it's not impossible. Yeah, and it's not. It's I'm sure it's overwhelming, um, and especially you know considering the economic situation they you know grew up in. And you are a millennial yourself, right, Dana? So how did you get involved in real estate? So I did none of what I just said. <laughs> Let me say that when I started, I had graduated college. I was in a rental for about nine months, and I just fell into this this industry. My boyfriend and I were looking to, to rent, and we, we just couldn't really find a rental that the, the prices, the rent prices were going up, and somehow we figured out that we could buy, and our monthly payment was going to be less than if we were renting. So nobody was talking about buying. It was, in the, it was the recession, and, um, you know, we found some random real estate agent on the Internet, but he took us under his wing, and he helped us navigate the process, you know, and then from there, so we bought a condo, and then we started buying multifamilies and, and building up our kind of rental portfolio, so now we own all multifamily properties across Boston and on the North Shore, but it was it was very much um, a learning experience, kind of getting into trouble, finding a way out, and, and I have so many people that I call on for various parts of of the industry and the business, and you know, I'm, I'm able to share my my contacts and my connections, and I, I just kind of have a, a good formula, a good system for other people to now follow. So, really, you're a real estate tycoon, is what I'm hearing. So, Donald Trump has nothing, nothing on Dana Bull. I, I wouldn't go that far, but certainly have established a niche that um, is challenging, but. I find to be really rewarding, and I've kind of become laser-focused on that. What else should millennials know about buying their first home? So it sounds obvious, but the first step is really defining your goals. And it seems like pretty straightforward. I'm, I want to buy a house. What do I do? But there's a lot of ways to skin the cat when it comes to real estate. So, for instance, you know, I have one buyer that's going to buy a condo, and they're a young couple, and they're really scrappy. So they want to buy a two-bedroom, and then they want to rent out the other bedroom to their friend. And then I have another buyer that's also looking for a two-bedroom, but they really, they, they just want it for them. They just want space. So those two goals or objectives are very different. Um, buying a condo is different than buying a two-family house. It's different than buying a single-family so the first step is getting yourself educated on the inventory, what's available in, in the different neighborhoods that you want to live in. And um, from there, it's going to open houses, it's, it's understanding how the numbers work, and building that team. And then once you kind of figure out, we've explored everything, and now we're going to be aggressively pursuing exactly what we want. That's, it's, it's a process 
get there. But that's ultimate. That's the end goal. Now, Dana, um, I've been reading stories lately about how maybe the 20% down payment is dead. Maybe it's 5%, 10%. Are you seeing any of that? And if that is actually happening, that should help millennials. I mean, 20% is a hard number to come up with, especially in a city like Boston. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So the 20% down figure, like why is it 20%? And the reason that that number sticks in people's minds is because if you're putting less than 20% down, you're likely going to be hit with PMI, the private mortgage insurance. The bank, uh, the lender is going to charge you because they're kind of taking on more risk if you're not able to put 20% down. Um, so parents will tell their kids, you need 20% down. And then these young buyers are going out there like, well, I'll never be able to buy a house. Um, you know, it's ideal if you could put a a significant down payment, but that's not always the reality. And I would say about 50% of my clients are doing 20% down, and then the other 50% is doing less. Um, from a lending standpoint, it's it's definitely feasible to do 5%, 7%, 10%, uh, but I will say, depending on where you're at in the country, it, it might not be possible from a, just a market standpoint how competitive your area is. So, for instance, if you're writing up offers and you're only able to do 10% down and you're competing against other buyers in a multiple good situation and they're able to do 20, 40, or pay cash, it is hard to compete with those buyers. So, you know, you just got to toughen up and you might need to write 10, 12, 15 offers before you get somebody that is in a is in a position to take a low down payment buyer, but um, it's def- it's possible. It is. So, Dana, I have a really important question to ask you, being uh, a woman who lives in Boston. Are you a Sox fan or a Yankees fan? Because I was just up for the Sox-Yankees series in Boston this past weekend. So, actually, my husband was at that game, and um, I wish I could say that I was a huge sports fan, but it's a pretty kind of cult culture here with the Red Sox. So while I was up in Boston this weekend, I was staying with a good friend of mine and they moved out of the, you know, tawny south end of Boston over to the seaport area. And when she told me she was going to move over there, I thought, gosh, there was nothing over there years ago. And I was astonished at how glitzy the seaport area of Boston has been. When you talk to millennials about sort of location, you know, it's always about location, location, location. And you might be looking for something that's a little bit on the cheaper side that's coming up. How do you help them? What do you, what advice do you give them about sniffing out new areas that could be the next hot dot? Yeah, you're you're like you nailed it right on the head with the seaport. It's amazing how quickly some of these areas get built up. So I would look for a few things. The seaport is kind of unique in that there wasn't much there and it's all new construction. But there are a lot of of different pockets where there's older, beautiful architecture that, for whatever reason, it's just kind of been let go. But I definitely look at the architecture and is is there a way for it to be revitalized? There's so many beautiful brownstones in and around the city and Victorian-style houses that if, you know, somebody spruces up, put some love into it, and if if the neighbors kind of all got together and and we're putting money into it, it, they would just... It would be a stunning place to live. So 
I look at architecture, um, but I also look at things like what's going on in the community itself. Are larger companies moving in? Because when that happens, they're going to bring, um, you know, resources and money's going to be put into that area. And usually hand-in-hand hand with that are commuter options. So when areas become more readily and easily accessible, that does a lot for, that impacts the real estate. Um, of course, you always want to look at schools. So one, one of the areas that, that I invest in is Salem, Massachusetts. So, you know, like the, the Witch City, which is north of Boston. And seven years ago, the college, the Salem um, College, transitioned over to a university. So that was huge. That had a big impact. Um, but you can track all the development work, too. Like if you reach out to the building departments for certain towns and areas, sometimes it's even posted online, you can kind of track what's going on and where money is being put. So there are, there are a lot of different ways to look at it. And I know in New York, one thing that happened was the artists moved into neighborhoods and made it cool, and they brought interesting music and restaurants, and then they got priced out, and the lawyers and bankers moved in. <laughs> and, you know, we saw it happen with Soho. We saw it happen with Tribeca. You know, so if you see, like, a neighborhood where there's actually some artists are flocking to, I think that's another good indication that it could be an up-and-coming cool place to live. Yeah, that's another another good point. Following the artists, following the LGBT community, because those just seem to be a little bit more progressive and, yeah, fun culture, for sure. So finally, uh, Dana, if you could just talk, is there one common tip you would give to millennials that maybe isn't commonly known um, that you think would be a good piece of advice that you've seen in your experience? We're just kind of bombarded with, I think it's because of social media and Instagram, Snapchat, that everybody's always having fun. It's you're kind of, you get stuck in this vicious cycle of going out to eat, spending money, and going on these trips and traveling. And it seems like, you know, a lot of our parents work really hard and they're like, you know, just have fun, you're young. And that's true, but, but kind of everything in mo- moderation. Um, some of my peers, they don't realize how unique of a position you're in as a young person. For instance, if you have a significant other and you're serious, you're, you're a dink, right? You're a dual income, no kids. And it's a very unique, rare opportunity in your life where you can make some smart financial decisions. Maybe it involves real estate, and it might take some sacrifices or take a few steps back. It wants the back to take a few steps forward in the long term. And I would just encourage young people to kind of weigh that out and have have fun but also make some smart decisions while you're young because it pays off down the road and I think real estate is is part of that portfolio Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dana, for sharing your thoughts with us. I've, I've never loved real estate. I'm a stock person. I love real <laughs> she estate. She loves real estate. I'm like, I hate renovations. I love real estate. <laughs> I hate all the paperwork and all the rules. But um, anyway, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. And I think you had some great advice for millennials as they go out and break into the world. So we appreciate your time. 
Exciting. All right. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thanks, Dan. A big thanks also to co-host Kim Mustin and also producer Rob Schulte. And also thanks to our sponsor, Wasabi Rabbit. Wasabi Rabbit is a veteran-owned digital marketing agency that provides brand campaign and user experience transformations that accelerate business growth. And we always love your comments, questions. Keep them coming. Uh, hashtag Kids Kaching. And that's it for now. And we'll catch you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.